0: holiday weekend day in church you always kind of look to see are you going to win or lose in the people traveling deal where you get some people who are from another place and then some of our people go somewhere else and then some of them are at the beach so uh, so we we count those as uh, in another place so uh, but like to welcome everyone this morning This morning, we are starting uh, a new series, and this series is on habits. In our last series, uh, we kind of finished it up with, what does it take to really finish well? And then this idea of finishing well, that language is is normally about finishing our life well. Uh, When you get to the close of your life, your journey, has it been a good journey for you? Has it been a good journey for the people around you? Or has it just been kind of hell on earth and you muddle through? Or has it been kind of absence of, of significance? What, what did the life that you live finish like? And and that's a good thing, but that's a giant goal, isn't it? It's it's kind of big, especially if you're not sure how long you're gonna like 140, and you're 13, wow, you got a lot of time to kind of mess around with it. But but the truth is, since we don't know that, and since life is not about one goal, life is about many goals, and so finishing well can be, how well did you finish today? How well did you finish last week? How well did you finish a job or a project you were doing? How are you doing at finishing in your life? How are you doing at crossing the line? And so when we begin to look at how did I do today, most of us really don't reflect on that. There are some that do. There are some uh, friends that I have that, that come from uh, an addiction path that they look at the end of the day, they go, "Wow, I did well today because I said no to the right things. I said yes to the right things, and that is that is the kind of thinking that's actually good for all of us. How well did we do today? How well did we do this week? And so, I, I wanted to address this understanding of habits because they are essential part of our success and our failure. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a definition. This is Merriam-Webster here. I'm going to give you, it's kind of in two pieces. It's a a habit is a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition or psychologic exposure that shows itself in regularity or increased facility of performance. That's kind of a fancy way of saying that it's a behavior process that was frequent, that was repetitive, and, and psychologically produced, and now it happens on its own. It says in B, uh, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. Habits can be good or bad for our well-being. We have some good habits, We have some bad habits most of you in this room right now are breathing it's a good thing it's keeping you alive keeping you going most of you aren't even reflecting on it very much as you do and in certain situations habits can be learned and reinforced to increase safety in emergencies to uh to do a better job when we teach kids Look both ways before you cross the street. You want that to become a habit, don't you? You want them when they get close to a street, they're automatically looking. Their head goes back and forth without even going, oh, this is a street, cars might be coming, look both ways before I take another step. Instead of all that, we want their head to automatically start doing the job. And uh, in aviation, when you're training to fly, and uh, I was just talking to somebody in law enforcement, and I'm sure they have uh, trained routines as well. Because there are certain routines you want to become habit. We'll, we'll describe what that actually means in just a moment, because it's kind of a, a real scientific process of that. But in flying, uh, after you learn the basics of flying, you know, this is up, this is down, you keep them separated in good ways, rejoin. In ways that you can repeat so after you get basics of flying down then you spend most of your time probably 80 plus percent of your time dealing with what they call abnormals. so you'll be flying along in your airplane as a student and then your instructor kills the engine and the instructor says so where are you gonna land now if I say uh too late I am already jacked according to my instructor i am dead i crashed everybody in my plane died we started back up we're going again five minutes later boom you just lost your engine where are you going to land um too late you will do this a thousand times in your training and you know what happens over time I always have a spot picked out to land in a single-engine airplane it's kind of important because when you lose that engine there's something you know you're going to land the option you have is where that's the option it's not even when it's where you have some choices when are you going to land where and so as I trained I began, even now, when I'm flying along, I can be flying a twin engine at 300 miles an hour. I'm still, I could land there, I could land there, I could land there, I could land there. I'm just, I'm stuck, you know. I am always looking for a place to land, whether I need one or not. I can be flying on a 737 Southwest Airlines. I'm looking for places to land. It's a habit now. And it's a good habit. The truth is, Much of our life can be lived out in the form of habits. And much of our life is operated in the form of habits. We operate more out of habit than you may know, than you may understand or think. And it's because of that that we really have to take more responsibility of those habits, because they are living your life.
1: When I hear statements like
0: this, because these statements kind of have the great potential of being connected to habits, I like, I don't like, I must, I always, I have to, I love, I hate, I can't, I never, I need. Those are all, almost always, associated with habits. When I say I need, I need some bluebell ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> I ate some yesterday. It was glorious. A little bit of Bailey's. Where was I? Okay. Blue <laughs> Bell. You know... We don't think of it that way, but but let's change it around a little bit. I like to read. Is that just my personality? Or is it a habit I've built? I don't like to read. Is that my personality? Or is that a habit I've built? And you see how habits and your identity become one? That's what begins to happen. With habits, when they are left unchecked, they become you. You become them. I hate spinach. I don't like to read. I don't like to work. I don't like to get up early. I'm a late night person. I, 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 I. But a lot of these are conditioning that we have accepted as me. And so now, what is driving a person to Bill. what is driving my identity my likes and my dislikes have now become the power broker in my life so let's see what's really happening in a habit science puts it this way in some things I've read when first learning a new activity an action event or even a thought process And it's new we use a lot of brain power it's like I'm learning Spanish I cannot tell you how hard it is for me and I can tell as it gets later in the night and what's happening is my Mexican friends begin talking faster but I'm listening slower and I'm feeling the wear on me and where I'm like this, listening and, and trying to hang with them at noon, at, at midnight, I'm, I'm on my knees. Instead of getting every four or five words, I'm getting every 20 words. And I'm tired, and my brain hurts, and I hate Spanish. And I don't think anybody should ever speak Spanish again. And I want to go to bed. And they make fun of me. And they speak faster and they clip the ends of their words like the Puerto Ricans do and they're just messing with me now and I need to go to bed and I need to get up in the morning so I can love Spanish again and my good friends from Mexico you see my brain is working hard but their brain isn't working in fact, their brain isn't working at all. And that's what this really describes: that the brain automatically always works to develop habits. Did you know that? The brain is always kind of working, and the reason is there's this part of the brain that does all this stuff that is kind of works in the involuntary way. You don't have to work at it. And so it's working in the high priced RAM, and what it's doing is developing This way of doing it, these routines that pulls it into this other part of the brain where you do your breathing, where you scratch your ear if it itches. It's where you do those things that you're not having to think to do. Your brain is always looking to move things there. So when they've studied people and they've given them routines, when they're first given the routine, for example, driving, when you're first driving, you're using everything you've got, you know, looking in the mirror and studying this and the rearview mirror and all these things. And after you know a year or two of driving, you know you got a sandwich, a drink. Uh, probably most of you have texting going on. I don't know. Uh, you're driving with your knee, uh, and you're because now all that's been and when they check the brain waves, they're barely moving. So where they were off the charts earlier, now they're barely moving. And that's when it becomes part of your psyche, part of what appears to be you and I. Once the routine is developed, it takes very little brain power, and it happens automatically. Statement's often connected with habits. Research has demonstrated. That habits will persist even when the presence of negative effects. And it has to do with cues. Now, this is not a science lesson. I'm going somewhere here. In addiction, habits are emergent phenomena often trained without conscious awareness. So here's what happens. With habits, when you think of instinct, I am gonna use somebody. That's <laughs> true. Okay. Now, she obviously does not know what's about to happen. To her. She's not pleased. I can tell. Her. But okay. she has a guest, so I can probably get away with this on a little level. So I regret it. All right. Now, if I were to do this, see, how her eyes blinked. And she didn't tell her eyes. To I don't think she's really afraid of me, but if I do it again, she drinks again. And we could probably do this all day long, but it would take a severe amount of brain power for her not to do that when I do that. Uh, I'm gonna let her sit down before she does that to me. We call that instinct. You know, we call that instinct. There's instinct. And there's impulse. Have you ever bought anything on impulse? No. No, never. Have you ever said anything on impulse? Uh, I'll give you an example. Oh, shoot. You ever do that? You ever do that? You kind of think about... Did that word come all the way out? Are the kids here? <laughs> did you say so? I never say that word. Well, I never say that word in front of the kids. Where did that word come from? I don't use that word. But there was a habit there, it wasn't there? There was something there. That in that instinct, in that impulse, bam, it was there. That's a very real and powerful place. The place of instinct, the place of impulse, really kind of the same place. Now, we can surrender that to whatever we have become. Science says that no habit ever goes away. You just kind of ride over them, but they're still there. And that's why when you do this sometimes, oh, bless God,
1: I knocked over
0: the chair. Thank you, Jesus. And then when you're irritated with the kids, and you're angry, and you're flailing your arms, and the next time you hit it, you say something different. You go, where did that come from? Well, it's another little path, another habit down there. The habit loop. It starts with the cue, And the cue tells the brain not only that it's time to invoke the habit, but also which habit to put in play. All right, so When my ear itches, I automatically scratch it. When I knock the chair over, I know not to scratch my ear. My brain knows to say something. It even knows what to say, doesn't it? That's the cue. The brain has a cue. When you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, your brain immediately goes into play. do you not see me? There's something, there's a response that's ready. Now, it could be, bless them, Lord. I'm sure they're in a hurry. Or maybe like the driving in the rain yesterday. I I was driving our SUV going down 288 in the rain, and, and I noticed these three motorcycle guys, uh, no weather gear on, eating the rain. And as I passed by them, I'm feeling bad for them, really. But really what I did is I pulled over in front of them. I was passing them a little too soon, throwing my spray all over them. Now, they're already wet, but that's a rude thing to do. And as I look in my rearview mirror, guess what I see? I see his habit. I see his impulse. I see his response waving at me i don't think he thought a long time about it i think he knew exactly what to do oh let me show my displeasure to this driver i don't think that ever came up i think he immediately displayed his feelings so there's a routine that goes into play upon the queue And the routine is that part of the habit loop that we have formed and completed, and now it's over in that different part of the brain, and it's ready to go. All it needs is the cue. And then finally, the piece that science describes as the reward, it's the final part of the loop, and it signals the completion, you see, We want the reward. After he signaled to me his displeasure, he might have felt better. Ah, he lets me have this display of displeasure. You see, there's some gratification that we get from our response. There's a gratification that comes for my response, there's something there. And the scripture uses a little bit of a different word. Because what's driving us in that case, uh, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but it's things like justice, pain, anger, resentment pride. Lots of things can operate in our habits. And we become controlled in the habits of our lives. And we are able to justify our behavior. We can see it as a, as a part of us. In Galatians 5.17 for the flesh desires, see, the, the flesh wants the reward. It says, what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. So let me ask you the question. When it comes to a habit loop, what is our primary issue when we say that there's a cue, a cue a routine, and a reward why why is that a problem for somebody following Jesus Question: What is a reward? (laughs) (laughs) The challenge of rewards when it comes to habits is that reward has to be instantaneous. It's responding to a cue. When my response goes into play, it is giving me my reward. It's getting it. The reward is the completion of the habit cycle. The challenge is what we see here in Galatians 5.17. You see, the gospel came to challenge that reality. The reality is our world is all about the reward. Whether it's the ice cream, whether it's shopping, whether it's a relationship, all of these things are giving me gratification right now. I, I need a little something right now. I've had a hard week. It's been a tough week. I'm Tonight is going to be about me. And I buy a 12 pack or for some of you a 24 pack or I do whatever I do. I'm going to make this right. You see, the cue is it's the end of the week and it's a hard week. And when there's an end of the week and a hard week. I have a routine. And that is to take care of me now. I've taken care of the work. I've taken care of the job. I've taken care of people now. I want to take care of you. You see, it becomes a little bit of an entitlement in that. The problem with the gospel is it removes and changes where the reward happens. And that's why, if you ever noticed that it's hard to have a spiritual habit that lasts. You ever notice that? Anybody ever had trouble reading your Bible every day? Or praying every day, or tithing, or being nice to mean people, or being nice to your spouse. You see, all of these things, that when it comes to biblical habits, when it comes to habits that connect us with God, it immediately takes the reward and puts it somewhere else, a place that is not instant. And we struggle with that because what we need, what we want. We want it to be right now. We can't wait for sex for marriage. We can't wait till we get out of school uh, before we go into debt and buy a $30,000 car. We can't wait, we can't wait, we can't wait, we can't wait. That reward has the power to heal us if we allow it. And what we have to do, we want a different story. We have to have habits that are not rooted in a worldly reward. You know who talks about rewards most in the Bible? Jesus. He was big on rewards. I know some people who don't really care for that, but Jesus, he loved the idea of the reward, and I think he sees it as important. Are you buying in that the reward is going to be worth it? Are you buying in that that reward has the power to make everything right from your entire life? Jesus says it this way in in Luke 6, 23, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward heaven. This is not there, so don't look for it. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Talking about the abuse they were getting. Matthew 16, 23. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to how they have operated in this time. Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do you see how Jesus is highlighting the reality that the reward to come is, is the crown jewel? He says to get your reward here is a miss. It's a fail. To get the reward here is a fail. Jesus 45 times in the New Testament. I'm cheating on a little bit because there's some overlap between the gospels, but 45 times is my number describes the value of the reward to come. And he constantly diminishes the importance or the value of the reward in this life. Is he against us having ice cream? No. He's against ice cream having the power to make my decision. That's what he's against. What he's saying is, if you follow me, then I'm going to have to be the reward. If you follow me, your eyes can't be on the blue belt. They're going to have to be on me. Here's why: If I focus on the bluebell, I don't get the blue bell, am I disappointed? I am disappointed. If my focus is on the girl, but I don't get the girl, am I disappointed? Absolutely, I'm disappointed. If my focus is on the job, but I don't get the job, am I disappointed? My whole life is full of disappointment. I talked to somebody yesterday. He went on for a half hour about every disappointing aspect of his life. So my question is, is his eyes on Jesus? No. No, they're not. How do I know that? Because he's so disappointed in every part of his life. But when I focus on Jesus instead of the blue belt, Do I still want bluebell? Of course I want bluebell. Do I still want the girl? Of course I want the girl. Well, I don't want the girl. I have a girl. Where's my focus? Because when I make my life about my reward, when I make my life about me gaining my reward, you see, for us, The closure of the habit is Jesus. The completed cycle of the habit is Jesus. And that's why when somebody cuts me off, have I instilled a habit that's going to take me to Jesus? Or do I flip that person off and do I do this and do I do that? And then at the end of the day, I can ask forgiveness. And Jesus forgives me. It's not about forgiveness, it's about you lead a a losing life. You lead a life that you're constantly cleaning up. Ephesians two, verse three, and you have this one: all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires, its desires and thoughts, like the rest you we were by nature deserving of wrath. And then finally, Ephesians 4, 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires. Have you ever heard the, the name Chuck Negron? Okay, you're a little bit young, but there's a few of you that should know. He was the lead singer for Three Dog Nights. You know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog and some of those, just an old-fashioned love song. One is the loneliest number. I could sing a couple of those if you like, but I won't. Brilliant voice, great basketball player, went to college on a scholarship. So you cut guy, didn't smoke, barely drank. Was it a party? You know, a party that young musicians would go to. Pretty girl walks up to him, gives him a kiss. puts the pill in his mouth when she does. And he said, I was hooked. From that time on, he was hooked. They sold 50 million albums in 1975 was a lot of albums. Multi-multi millionaire, young. Says during that time he also shifted to cocaine and downers. He said the week after I took them, I bought 5,000. For me that was like opening a door to hell. His addiction to pills derailed his first marriage, to Paula Cervetti, a dental assistant. But rather than clean up, Negron, who was living in Laurel Canyon Mansion, turned to a new drug. I thought it was coke, he said. After his first heroin highs, I tried it, got sick as a dog, threw my guts up, and said, get me some more. I spent the next 23 years chasing the feelings. You know, the difference with drugs and, and this is only from talking to people and I'm not kidding, I really haven't gone that road. I've gone other roads, but not that one. Is drugs seem to have a really powerful reward. A compelling reward. A reward that that makes a habit pretty fast to build and then you have the chemical dependency the other pieces that kick in Chuck Negrin lost everything he spent six years as a homeless guy on the streets of LA sleeping in abandoned buildings he said I traded everything I had and I would have traded anyone. Chasing that high. He was in rehab thirty five times and was considered hopeless. And he credits God with finally saving him. And he is now. Kind of a changed guy. I mean, obviously, he's off the street, he's married, he's got a new baby, and he helps people like him. It affects people different ways, but we're all equipped with the same tooling of habit. Habits are exactly what they are. They are routines. They create powerful, powerful impulses. And they will bypass all rationale to accomplish their goal. And God understands that about you and I. Habits can be a good thing. But what God says is, we're going to have to change reward to a real reward. He said, "I traded my gifted, successful life, my career as a musician for a career as a junkie. I became a professional full-time junkie. He stole cars, he stole jewelry, he broke into places. This is a guy that made multi millions." of dollars there are other rewards than obviously a drug uh, than a drug kills gives often our habits are designed to make us feel normal or take away depression or relieve anxiety We have habits that do that. Or we need a distraction. Or we need a reward. Treating yourself because you deserve it. Maybe you need justice. But for each of us, us, Jesus says, I am the only thing that can make you I am the only thing that challenges depression at its core. I'm not saying there's not depression medicine. I'm saying that Jesus is here in the places where we self-medicate. He's in the place to relieve anxiety. He's the distraction we need. You know, one of my weakest times as a pastor used to be when I would return from work in Mexico. And the greater things that God did in Mexico, the greater the hole was two hours after I got home. It was like a reward. We have the reward, and the cues and the reward are connected. What we want, we can see the, the moment, the event, where the brain knows what to do, knows how to make you feel better. you are anxious. Maybe you reach for that line. You're overwhelmed. Shut it all down and play video games. I know nobody does that. Depressed? Go buy something. It makes you feel better. Even if you don't have any money. This is how habits operate, folks. And you need to understand where we're going with this is to change a habit, you have to address the cues. You need a different routine, you need a different reward. You need to change life. The routine. It's what we've practiced, it's what we know, it's what's already been imprinted. Colossians 3, 8 through 10. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as anger, Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. you realize all of these are response pieces? All of these are response to something, somebody, someplace, something. These are my responses. Very often, these fire up right out of the habits that I've built. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self, With its practices, with its habits. That rewiring is what God is working on. So when we begin to see cues that take us down that other routine, we need a different routine. And even though it's very mechanical at first, it's still the routine that I need. Take off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. It's being updated. It's you being updated, just like your software is getting an update. It's being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. You see, that knowledge is setting you free. It's setting me free, that I don't have to be a slave to my habits. And the truth is, habits form. Everybody has habits. Everybody will have habits. We will always have habits. The brain is designed to take things to habit level. But once we know the truth, then we can choose a different routine. You see, that's what the gospel does. It gives you the option, the way out. It gives you a reward that's real, that actually can touch us today. It's not just about heaven. To be renewed in the image of our creator, That's different. Romans 1, 31-32. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love or mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice. We can know God and yet choose the rewards of our liking. We can do it. And did you know that doing nothing is a habitual activity? Has anybody discovered that? That I can get into the habit of doing nothing? It's it's a powerful activity. There are some of us that would like to devote our lives to that particular habit. I've talked to some people who aren't working. What'd you do today? I hung out, played some video games, you know, messed around. What'd you do yesterday? Hung out, played some video games. What'd you do the day before that? What'd you do the day before that? What about the week before that? Does this how I have it? It's mastered, isn't it? They know exactly what to do when they get up. I think I'll do nothing. Oh, wait, no. I'm going to get something to eat. Then I'll do nothing. Then I might take a nap. I play a video game text a friend then I'm gonna do nothing Hebrews 10 24 through 26 gives this image of people who were power hitters but they gradually let the old habits move back in and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day. You see, habits with God are don't carry that impulse gratification unless you are intimate with Him. If you have intimacy with the Father, in other words, if you are using habits to pursue an intimate relationship with the Father, in that place, you will experience the reward of His parents. Just like in Hebrews, chapter uh, Galatians 5, 19 and 20. This is out of the message. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Trying to get your reward all the time. Repet- repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyous grabs for happiness. Trinket God's. Magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming, yet never satisfied, wants, a brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved, a divided home, divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a trivial, into a rival, Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. This really describes a fair number of people. But that's what it can look like if you make your reward your pursuit. I want to close with a couple of verses here. 1 Peter 4, verse 1 and 2. Since Jesus went through everything, you're going through and more. Learn to think like him. Build habits like he did. Have routines and rewards will serve your cues think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way do you see it there then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what god wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want Jesus sets us free from having to pursue what we want. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 7, 23-24. All of you, slave and free both, were one held hostage in sinful society. Then a huge sum was paid out for your ransom. That would be Jesus. So please, Don't out of old habits slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you. Friends, stay where you are, called to be. God is there. Hold the high ground with Him at your side. You can stand.